Welcome along to episode 30 of the third season of LOI Weekly. Johnny Ward and Daniel McDonald. We've Collie O'Neill and Gerald O'Brien in studio very shortly. A lot of managerial um, merry-go-round situations of late. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And Collie and Gerard to discuss UCD and obviously St. Patrick's Athletic particularly. Uh, we're on Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, at LOI Weekly on Twitter in association with Airsport and Independent.ie. And very shortly we will talk to the lads. It's just myself and Dan for the moment um, lots happening Dan you would say over the last weekend the title race looks to be pretty much done Dundalk have kind of wrapped through their three games against UCD I don't think that's really happened over the weekend though, and really, Sligo over the last week or so um, did you any, still think it was possible any flickering hopes was the I dream thought, still alive thought John? Sligo might get something from the game um, just to keep keep it a little bit interesting but to be fair Shamrock Rovers they, they haven't done much wrong they did finally beat Bohemians and celebrated like they'd won the lotto actually um, well, I unbelievable think celebration for beating a team with um, a grossly inferior budget at home 1-0 in working man-like yeah, circumstances yeah but hang on we can't go on for ages about their record against Bowes consistently and go on about like all, you know this amazing record and then expect them at the full time whistle having dealt with that sort of strife for a period of time to they go they enjoyed it okay, well do you think they're not allowed to I, I take your point mm. and like yeah you sit back in the cold light of day but I mean and, and actually I don't think that they played that well particularly like you know, I think they probably played better. In other you weren't games. aware of how bad the wind was because you were no, doing some renovating in the house. Well, I was aware of it because it was obvious from watching the game that the wind was a factor. Yeah. You know, and I had a despondent Bowes fan on to me at half time. Uh, you can probably guess, you know, yeah. who, very, who, who I was saying, well, you know, the wind will probably be a factor in Tala when it tends to be on these sort of wind tunnel nights. And uh, so, like, that probably contributed to the game of two halves element of it. Why but, did it look but, like but on I, TV, the game? I, no, it was a good spectacle. Did it was, you? It was quite, like, it was absorbing. It wasn't, maybe it's because I'm invested in the game a bit, you know, and I, I, I know the, the, the storylines. Um, but, you know, Bo's having a go. Uh, I, I thought it was like 7,000 people there you know it's a good stadium so yeah that's a good TV experience there's there's worse TV experiences um, sitting down to watch a game on a, on a night I, I, I wish that was the, the, the stadium we sit down and watch every week so that was fine but I, I wouldn't have a go with them for celebrating it because they've had that pressure on them and uh, I don't think afterwards they're going to go well, actually, let's let's just modestly, you know, shake hands here and go. Well, actually, we we have a slightly bigger budget than these, so ah, yeah. uh, you know, very happy to have the the win today. Like that's not that's not how they're going to re- respond to it. So I don't really have an issue with them. Um, no. at, at times uh, you'd have issues with the Rovers bench and 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 you know their 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 behaviour at times, and and they've had the odd scrap with people in in, in recent years. But I wouldn't be. Uh, wouldn't be having an issue with that Jack at all. Jack Bourne was uh, playing, obviously. Mick McCarthy was at the game, and it wasn't one of Jack's finest nights, but it was a game where they they kind of uh, they won it ugly, I guess. Um, Graham Burke, unbelievable intervention, second half, twice clearing off the line, and um, I don't know, the monkey off their back at the very least. Un- unfortunately, um, for those of us who wanted the title race to be a bit more interesting and Dundalk probably not getting the credit they deserve but they're, not bashing, like they're sort of bashing everyone now mm. like they, they really aren't probably getting that credit I mean they, I think what was it 24-25 games domestically unbeaten since they lost in Sligo and they've lost two games relative to you know Rovers next next best with six and uh, conceded 13 goals in 29 matches like they've absolutely dominated the league this season and it's not something that we're really talking in those terms because you know Europe and we're not going into the European thing again but like you know because of the, those matches but if you just stripped away all that and looked at their domestic results and just like wrote them all down in a page 
and, and just read them out. Like, they've completely and utterly blitzed the league. And you are right that Rovers haven't done a huge amount wrong. Like, they've lost six games, three to Bowes and, and, and two to Dundalk. So, they have a like, plus 35 like, goal difference as you well, know, so they're not... Like, those, yeah. those, those games have, have absolutely killed them. But, like, what Dundalk are doing, while rotating the team, I mean, the, I mean, the strength of their squad really... Like, a lot of things will have won them the league. But, I mean, I think that squad depth is probably top of the list you know in the sense that, and and how they've managed to actually change their back for consistently Boyle and Massey scoring in Sligo and, 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 and still keeping clean sheets and, and they're contributing I mean Dan Cleary's been involved in goals and assists and, mm. and all sorts over the, the last month I mean they've been completely dominant so for um, me the big story is Cork City at the moment they've their form is truly appalling um, obviously the goal of United defeating the Cup Kind of, I I think I wrote that night in a match report that it was the end of their season. Um, at the moment, I'm just looking at the table, and if Harps uh, pick up a few points, Cork City may have a small reason to fret because their form is that bad at the moment. Yeah. They've won two games at home all season, and um, as much as we question John Caulfield in terms of how they were playing, they certainly haven't improved since he left. <laughs> No, no. I mean, like they, yeah, there might have been a slightly different style, but no, the, the basic results haven't. I mean, they played on Dock on Friday in their game in hand, so you, you can't imagine that's going to end well for them. At the same time, you know, Finn Harps were on twenty three points with seven games to go. How many points can Finn Harps get in that in that time? Like, if if Harps were to get. I don't know four wins and a draw, which would be a great like a great return from seven games. That put them on what like they and they've a considerably inferior goal difference to Cork. So like they'd be on what they'd be on sort of thirty six points. Can Cork can Cork get six points from the last four games or last six games? Sorry, you probably think that they would. Wouldn't bank them. Ah no, I just they lose to Dundalk. I just yeah I know, but I, I just I, I see what you're saying. I can see the angle, but I just don't. I mean that that's assuming that Harps can go on this unbelievable run that we're talking about, and like you know a team that's got 23 points from 29 games to suddenly get you know sort of a uh, 13 from seven, like you know that'd be that'd be impressive if they do it. Hats off to them; it'd be fantastic. Um, but I I just I just don't see that happening. And um, but look, it is there is a frailty in Cork that. I think particularly with a new manager, and the new manager bounce can be completely overplayed sometimes, but there is something in it too. And uh, to concede four at home to Sligo, okay, you think, well, that's maybe just one of those nights, you know, they're learning and he's played some, he brought one or two younger players in. But to be one up against Waterford and uh, to be in a position of you would think of control and then to give it away at home, the Turner's Cross, where they have the worst home record in the league this season. Like, there obviously is some kind of deep sort of frailty there and that's even just to have the good teams and professional full-time teams you know you think to have a bit of know-how to to manage that situation when you're in front no matter how you if you want to play more expansively or whatever there's still an element of game management there we were that, on, that, that um, clearly isn't there yeah we were on Garrod Marcy I think has been missing the last couple of games as well and uh Maybe maybe they're feeling his loss, but we were on off the ball last night, and I was saying I don't know would I prefer the Pats job or the Cork job at the moment because they've obviously got new managers, and I think you were like, oh no, definitely the Cork job. Of course, but, yeah. Um, but this isn't a bad job for Stephen O'Donnell to start his managerial career. No, no, it's a it's a, it's a fascinating start from his. He's got his press conference later on today. Sadly, there's around six other press conferences on today. So what was the thinking with the time in there? Uh, I just don't know. Listen, but I, like no, because we we had well intentioned, but clubs don't help themselves. No, we sometimes. had we had a little bit of a pop at Pat yesterday because maybe they're not in the community as much as Bows are and this and that. But they, they need to they need to promote. Uh, this is a big name appointment, and they put a press conference in the middle of everything. 
Yeah, really, it's just I, I, it just annoys me. But a lot of people just won't care about that. But it just it just frustrates me because well, you will you know, care in the it, sense that it won't be in it won't be in the paper tomorrow. No, there isn't space. Well, like. not not in our paper anyway. That's that's a decision that's been made, which is unfortunate. But like clubs have to be clever in terms of how they arrange that stuff. But I mean, listen, there could be a very extenuating circumstances. They might just want to get it done, get mm. it out of the way, and get on with the much more important thing, which is doing your job. And if you get results, that'll make much more you know, impact than, than doing press conferences. It's just, it's just a small... It could be bu- a tactical ploy by O'Donnell to stay out of the media. Yeah, because, it could be. It you know, could be. That's another, way knows? Look, that's another way of looking at it. But it is fascinating. I think it's an interesting angle. Took you by surprise? I think so, yeah. I think it took them dog by surprise. You know, I think it, like he's someone that, while he was only the opposition analyst, he was still like a part of the management team and, and like someone who's been a part of the fabric of that club for seven years and been a big part of the culture of the club for a long period of time. And they're obviously probably hoping that, you know, notwithstanding all of his experience, but he can bring maybe some of that mentality to to Pats um, because something has been wrong, I think, at Pats over a period of time. That They are a full-time club in, in name in terms of players, but I'm not sure about really... Uh, I'm at this point like of having maybe the ethos of a full-time club in terms of I don't know there's, there's been something lacking you know some signings haven't worked um, some players you would think you know with, with big reputations um, how would they match up say in terms of physically and their contribution with comparable players at, at say the top two you know there's, there's been something wrong with Pats this year Well you and, made the uh, point as well last night that We'll say the three marquee signings were Drennan, Reese McCabe, and Forrester. I would argue collectively have been an absolute flop uh, for for some reason or another. Drennan's gotten two costly uh, suspensions for stupid red cards. Forrester, I'd have more sympathy for because I think there's a, maybe a deeper malaise there. And Reese McCabe, um, I, I I think he's a very good footballer, but um, unfortunately for Harry, and I I did feel sorry for Harry because he's given the job. He's, he's not even in it a year and he's gone. Well, we spoke about it at the start of the season. I'm not I'm not having a pop, but like you know some. People are even talking about Pat's cut a challenge for the league with their signings because they just like there's some great names on paper, but we had a discussion about it at the time. It was like, well, hang on, where is the actual the, the winners the, the, and leaders, the, the leadership figures there? And there was a lot of players there with sort of sketchy profiles in terms of you know they've gone from here to there and they haven't fit at certain clubs and thinking that they could all come in together in one mishmash and work like it was probably a challenge. But I mean. I don't know. The owner has decided to get very much involved. I think Garrett Gatter has been very much involved in this appointment. He's put money into it. You have to say over a long period of time he's put money into that club. And I mean, he's he's been losing money in that club. Losing huge money. And they've decided to go this way. 33-year-old manager. I saw someone say Brian Kerr was 33 when he got the job. You know, they're looking... Kenny was what twenty six or seven when yeah, he started at Longford, um, but mm. like this is a Pats, you know. Like, it's it's a gamble. There's no doubt. We can talk to we can talk to you know. We'll talk to Collie and Jerry about Collie was you know young starting off in management, and there's obviously challenges. Still to, relatively ch- young, challenges yeah. challenges to come with it, but like it is a gamble. Like as much as Stevie has got a great pedigree and like he's been on the show, and like, we, I think we're both very big fans of him and like you know admirers of 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 his knowledge, and and it should work. But it's still a risk. Absolutely. And, and but he must be under the understanding that certain protocol will be met, even though it's his first job. I can't see him going in there and not laying down the law in terms of this, this, this must must happen. Um, and also outside interference from um, the owner, I think, would be a complete no-no. So it, I'd imagine that he hasn't gone in there and accepted stuff that probably he wasn't happy with, which I think wasn't the case with Harry Kenny. I don't think Harry Kenny had exactly what he wanted when he was there. Yeah, I mean, like, we're speculating there a bit, but yeah, that possibly may be the case. Whatever happened that wasn't working, it's pretty clear. I mean, 
madly enough, like they can still finish third without without necessarily needing to have an amazing finish to the season. So like, but it was the, there was an inconsistency, which I think even Harry said in his last interview. And as I said, I go back to it. Like you know, you talk about resources and stuff. I mean, Pat's like they signed well, they're training full time. Like you know, they they should be they should be better than they are. And um, I know listen, they nearly got relegated a season or two back. Like they they haven't. Not we're not saying they've been setting high standards over a period of time. But they've, as I said, they've been drifting a small bit, and they this is an appointment which probably needs to work because, like, they've had all this stuff around the stadium and, and where does the club go? Um, I think you know Rovers are are going places. Bows have a bit of a clear identity now. Pats haven't really had one, mm. you know, in in recent in recent memory. Like, and and they obviously have to assert themselves in Dublin. They have to make the case for the ground and and all of this, you know. So they they need to to figure out what they are and they they they. They just need a bit of sense, a new sense of drive and purpose in the club, and I think, I think it'll be interesting Park to see what. what yeah, Richmond Park is. Well, Richmond is an, is I think as long as they're in Richmond Park, I'm not sure how far they can go. No, it's an obstacle, but I mean that's not to stop them getting. And and this isn't reductive thinking, but mm. that's not that's not to stop them having a very good team. You know, if they like, finish third, it's not a bad season by any means. No, I know, but I'm just saying that like they they need to. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if if over the winter a lot of the priority is not just about like recruiting good players, but recruiting maybe a certain type of character to build something from mm. within, so that the dressing room can drive standards. Because I just it just hasn't been right there, and maybe people that are in the club would wouldn't wouldn't like that. But they're, they're they've been far too up and down, and you know for a team to like that had so much. Like the cup had so much potentially to offer them this season because they've had sporadic good results. They brought new players in, and to go to UCD and and sort of blow it like they did, there's something wrong. You know that's that's a that's a serious malfunction. So um, it's a big job ahead of Stevie, that's for sure. Welcome along to Ger O'Brien and Colly O'Neill, lads. What's the crack? Howdy. Uh, How are you? Uh, intro- Where do we start, John? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let's start with you, Colly. Uh, I got Why a, me? I got a lodger for bringing in six donuts and coffee and tea for everyone, and a charm offensive after departing UCD in your managerial career in utter turmoil. Turmoil. Uh, no. <laughs> what's what's? Al- to be clear, he always brings us something when he comes yeah, in. He so does. He's not comfort eating, right? To be clear, you know, yeah. he's, not, he's not engaging in that. Dan has a game at one o'clock, and he's already had a donut. It's just not professional. <laughs> Best pre-match ever. Um, what's happened? It's, uh, we're trying to allude to it on the podcast, but tried to get you on. I think the Wednesday after you departed, but obviously it was a bit messy. You don't even yeah. remember talking to me about it, actually. So you, your head must have been all over no, the show. No, well, in, in fairness, the, um, I had an awful lot of people ringing me. I a, and um, When you get to a moment where you you feel really, really let down like that, a lot of the, the messages I got, you know, just helped me over those couple of days. So it, it was a little bit tough to deal with. How hurtful was the whole experience of... Um, it was very hurtful, mm. especially with the amount of time, effort, everything that you've done. Um, I think it was probably they had very short memories of of work that was done by me. So, um, how long were you there? I went in uh, to be Martin Russell's assistant in two thousand and eleven. Wow! So the, there a while. Mm. What so happened? Um, well, without probably naming names or getting into too much of the 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 nitty gritty um, it basically came down to I, kn- I knew after the the Waterford game um, I was green mile at that stage I, I knew I was dead man walking due to I chose the 
play a player that um, didn't go well with um, a member of the of the board. So yeah. he he quit. Just on that, right? Just yeah. let me start. I don't I don't understand how this works. What's the board like? Because UCD is obviously a different club, so it's not like you know. Um, Garrett Kelleher or something like that. UCD no. is, is a different... So explain okay. that. The, the way it works is does the university and does the soccer club. The university will give 100000 a year to the soccer club. So then it's up to the soccer club itself to decide what they do with that money. So if they give out 10 scholarships at 10 grand a pop, that's their 100 grand gone. So if they want to bring in another player, do you want to go put you on a scholarship? bring it in and sign you for the team, they have to raise that money themselves. So there's an awful lot of, in fairness, there's an awful lot of hard work that goes in to keep that, that club afloat. It really would, would is. Would they have to raise much money then? Well, you take it. How much does it cost to fund uh, electricity league team, uh, 19s, 17s, 15s, 13s, Leinster Senior League team? 100 grand know? doesn't go far. 100 grand doesn't go far at all. So they have to do an awful lot of fundraising themselves and it's done by doing soccer camps, dinners, golf outings, because obviously we can't rely on getting big crowds in on the bowl. So there's an awful lot of hard work that goes in, and they don't want to get into a stage where they are spending money that they don't have. So they, they, they keep the club afloat, an awful lot of hard work goes in. And you um, had a obviously had a clash in regards to team selection arising from that Waterford game. From the from the Waterford game, now the decision I made not to play a player was purely footballing reasons, due to the Shamrock Rovers game the the week prior. And um, when I decided not to to play a certain player, um, a member of that board quit and said he would only come back when I was sacked. What happened with regard to Conor Kearns? Because Conor Kearns was given a five-game ban, but he also missed the Waterford game. Um, yeah, he was available for selection for the Waterford game, so um, the board decided to suspend him internally for that game. Now that's that's their decision because of... That might have been to do with his, his behaviour in the Bowes game, which um, has obviously been the stuff of legend, but was that the reason <laughs> they gave? or? Yeah, well, th- I, th- I think they felt that he, like, he, he put some of the stewards... Um, well being at risk by by his actions. You so don't. You don't. You're, you're, not, like, you're not. You're yeah, not a UCD. They're not here to. Like, like, uh, you know. They're not here to defend themselves. Mm, I'm sure they would. Yeah. They would argue that they were. I, you I know, like you can. You can see. That. Yeah. I'm, I'm. I'm. Like I didn't argue too much with the decision. Um. Like does does for and against points for it. Um. My against point was we're in a relegation battle and you would like to have your best players available. But on the other side of it, you, you, I, I can see where they came from for it. So, yeah, I, I didn't argue too much with it. And um, Connor's, you know, Connor played great that night, but a five-game ban at that stage of the season well, must have been a killer for you because you were, trying, you were kind of rallying after losing so these two big players to Rovers as well. Yeah, well, we, I, I kind of changed the, the shape of the team. We went a little bit more defensive and we, we, we beaten Finn Harps, we drew with Derry, we beaten Bowes, and then, yeah, it fell off a cliff so so Cody, you know how, how was it communicated to you that that your time at the club was an end i mean you're, you're brought into a room i don't know you tell me yeah it was basically i was told to go and um could i attend a meeting after training on the on the monday night this so was after the bowls game which you lost 10-1 after the bowls game yeah we lost thanks for reminding me um uh, <laughs> we had a, a lot of meetings with the with the players on the on the saturday we i did training as normal on the monday 
um, was brought into a meeting after the training on on the Monday, and I was told um, on some reasons where due to obviously recent results weren't um, of a of a good nature. Um, two, they were um, upset with me for only naming one player on the bench for the Finn Harps game. They believed I should put um, injured players on on the bench, so just to to mask it. Um, that's quite staggering. Yeah, that's again that's their their decision. Um, I was given a little bit of criticism for changing the shape recently to towards a more defensive shape. They believe it should just be a a four three three or a four four two shape. Because it's the board. Yes. With all due respect, that's nothing to do with them. I know, I know, but that's that's the kind of input that they that they have. And um, they said it's basically just not working out, and we were like, uh, "We we think we're gonna go for a change." How hurtful is that to to basically let go? If any of us loses a job, it's obviously not nice. But this is in the papers. Yeah, it's it is a little bit tough to deal with, but it's it's part and parcel of football. You just get on with it. Where do you go from here? Um, to the nearest wine bar. Right. Uh, you no. do like your wine. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope you've been, you've been and gone by now. No, I've been and gone by now. Yeah. <laughs> you link with the job in Italy yeah, yeah. on the basis of the red over there. Like, uh, yeah. what have you made of it, Ger? Of the UCD situation, mm. we'll get to you in a few yeah. minutes. Yeah. Um, I think UCD as a whole are a strange uh, kind of part to play in the League of Ireland because down through the years they've always they, they've done so well in, in the players that they produced. And it's a great facility um, in this country for players to go and get educated and be given the opportunity to play football at a very good level with very good coaches. Get your scholarship. But then on the other hand, I'm saying these guys want to talk about results and Collie was speaking about, you know, they weren't happy with results and stuff like that. But how can you have, um, you know, a team playing in the top level in this country who basically want to go a certain way and in how they recruit players and play players and stuff like that. Because for any coach or any manager to be told when his education's finished, he's going to have to leave or you can't sign this player. So he's working off such a small pool of players. So it's almost like, you know, they do good work, but it's almost like there's a, for me on the outside looking in, there's a little bit of embarrassment as well to the league on it that a manager has to be told, well, he's finished now, he has to go. And he's finished, he has to go. Can I sign him? No, he's not in, in, in the college and stuff like that. And I think from a coaching perspective, the only thing you can use as a stepping stone for yourself, and Collie might disagree because I'm sure you can work so hard with your coaching and kind of understand the type of uh, you know bad habits that you pick up and maybe fine-tune different things and not be afraid to make mistakes as a coach because without being disrespectful, there's probably not a huge amount of pressure on you. But then... I think the last kind of month, and when you're in the league, it's so small, and you hear things going around, and we were hearing the stuff that was going on around the place, not just at Pats, I'm sure other clubs were hearing the saying, and we were scratching our head going, this is schoolboy football, this is mentality of someone in a high position is basically saying, if you don't play this particular player, well, I'm going to throw my toys out of pram and I'm leaving, and like, what, what, what's the point? Yeah, you know I mean? we, we should reiterate, point? we obviously don't have the recourse of a reply from um, no, any of Should UCD be in the league? Listen, I was on the, the board of the PFEI for a couple of years and we, we were having numerous discussions on this. I just don't understand how we want to have at the league, and we're talking about all Ireland leagues and professional leagues, how we can have um, players who are, you know, 
like I think, as I said to you, I worked in Manute. I think the education program is fantastic, but there has to be a different mindset to it as well. You know, you can't. It can go hand in hand, but like they can't just. You know, there's no. It's no surprise that Collie was getting hit with them results. You know what I mean? It's it's crazy. Mm. It's, it's scandalous. Like, how do you feel about that? Because I mean, you've been, Collie, you've been in the in the UCD bubble in that environment for so long. But when you hear discussions then about should UCD be in the league, because we've had this chat before and, you know, there's, there's, there's multi layers to it because UCD have brought so much good to the league. They haven't caused problems in terms of like, you know, I don't know, players going without wages for 10 to 12 weeks and all this, exactly. all, all this type of thing. Yeah. But, but obviously the flip side is how your squad was decimated this year, you know, is something that maybe clubs with a different structure wouldn't suffer. Right, so how do you feel about the, that broader debate when, when you see the status is mentioned? I think it's just unfortunate timing, um, particularly being in the Premier Division this year. If we had got up the previous year and it would have had everybody for an additional one year of, of the course, like we, we would have probably finished mid-table and nobody would have said a thing at all. Mm. So I think it's just unfortunate timing that you get up into the Premier Division and you have that highlight, that spotlight put on you, and then all of this happens. So um, do I think UCD should be in the league? Yeah, I do. And I would argue that because to have a structure in place where they have all the training pitches in one location, strength conditioning gyms, um, all the, the, the best work of the sports science department, um, education built on top of it, and all of that in just one location, um, I think there's plenty of League of Ireland clubs that we jealous to have that kind of of that mm. kind of structure. Um, can they compete at the Premier Division level? Probably not. I think that's my basic point. UCD shouldn't be good enough to be in the Premier Division in that there should be at least 12 teams better than them who are full professional or half that, not Yeah, but that's not UCD's fault. No, it shouldn't, but the League of Ireland should be stronger than UCD being in the Premier Division because yeah. the Belfield Bowl isn't up to scratch. Um, you've obviously lost a load of players mid-season. You, you have very few going to your games. We should be better than the UCD that are there, but I, we're not. I think I think the problem is that like there probably does come a point, and Jerry mentioned the PFA, a PFEI perspective and as I said like a lot of people have had squabbles with the PFEI over the years so you know about you know defending clubs and, and players at certain times I, I do think the idea of having like premier clubs having a minimum amount of professionals on their books is probably I think that it probably is there is a sensible approach to that I think you know yes you if you'd gone up a year earlier you would have been mid-table but then you would have faced the same problems this year when those players had reached the end of their cycle and I think you know, you have to apply some standard at some point, and maybe then you people usually have to have the debate about well, then do we put people on such and such thing now? It's possibly unlikely that's going to happen within the structure of the club as as Collier has laid out how it operates. But I think that's the problem, and not just with UCD, it's for clubs that come up from the first division, you know, having X amount of amateur players or people on their books, whatever it might be. That's probably the way to do it to say that you can't. You can't do that, um, but that will always be unpopular. Like that will does like a team that's got promoted on merit, a manager that's got promoted on merit. It's a very emotive case, and it's very hard when things aren't being when other clubs are running up huge losses backed by benefactors. You know, it's very hard. It's a it's a it's a tough decision. But sometimes leadership is making those tough decisions as well, mm. much as it might be desperately unfair to some people involved. But I think again, it comes down to finances and what's what's available. Like today. Like people talk about, you know, players when they finish the degree that they can't stay on. They can. There's no. That's only a, a self-made rule because they're trying to live within their means. Mm. Um, we tried to keep Greg Sloggard on 
and obviously the money we were offering them wasn't in, in anywhere in comparison to what Derry were offering. So we he, he chose to go to to Derry. Um, so we 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 have no arguments with that. But it, it's not a case that we can't keep them. We can, but it's just finances dictate of what we can and cannot do. I think I think when you look at UCD, um, the the kind of standard of football they played, they've they've really helped players develop in a in a good routine yeah. and a good kind of philosophy for furthering their careers and they bring an awful lot to the first division in terms of if you watch UCD in the first division and I watched them last season when I was a Galway United fan excellent football and it was a very good game they brought up the standard of the first division to my mind they've brought down the standard of the Premier Division this season and I guess I would I, I kind of would like UCD in the league but I wouldn't like them in the Premier Division Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but I don't it wasn't know. such a question as no. a, uh, it was Jerry Springer's uh, final thought, I think. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> Jerry's final thought, though. Um, what's happening at Pats? Where do you start? Yeah. Let's go back to Harry Kenny's appointment because this this ended within a year. Yeah, unfortunately, it did. Um, and to be honest with you, like when H came in, I suppose we had a really good, strong pre-season, and then the week of of the season began. Um, all of a sudden we picked up two or three injuries and we ended up changing the shape right at the beginning of the season so all the work and Collywood going to notice your pre-season is not just for getting fit I think as a coach you kind of want to implement some of the style of play that you want to do and you're kind of working with the ball and route the ball and that type of stuff and we kind of got an understanding of that and pre-season results and performance had reflected that And You played Cork in the first game you had to shuffle straight away We went straight to a 3-5-2 mm. for um, kind of personnel reasons and stuff like that we ended up uh, beating Cork, beating Sligo down there with six from six. We played Finn Harps on the Monday. We drew nil nil with three five two, and then we went back to four three three. We had a couple of indifferent results again. We had no wide players. Um, one of them against UCD. Yeah, we yeah. we drew we drew with uh, Collie on the Friday night then one one. Um, so we had two wins, two draws, and then all of a sudden we went back to three five two. And I think, I suppose we were still trying to find a way to kind of implement a style of play with the three five two, whereas we kind of knew where we were at with a 43 but we had no players available Dean Clark was out Brandon Miele was out James Duna was kind of in and out and stuff like that so we actually had no wide players um, and we'd probably Kieran Kelly's emergence as a centre back as well with Lee Desmond Kevin Tone or Webster meant that Harry decided to go with a three at the back and we were trying to develop that style of play which kind of in turn affected results but I think going back, I was only looking over the last kind of week or so. Um, the last nine games that we played, we, we I think we we, we had sixteen points. Um, in the same nine games, uh, I think only Dundalk. You know, they'd played six; they had won six from six. I think only um, Derry were level with us on sixteen. Bowles had fifteen from the nine games, and Rovers had fifteen from the nine games. So, like, it wasn't that we were losing game after game after game. We actually had. Are probably our best little spell of the season where we went to Cork and one we went to Waterford and one we beat Sligo at home we'd beaten Finn Harps we'd beaten Collie just before the break and then we came back after the break and we got beaten against Bowles 3-0 in Daly Mountain a game which was nowhere near a 3-0 we were fantastic for most of that game we're out kind of creating too many chances we'd gone back to a 4-3-3 um, three crazy goals played on dark the week after, beaten close enough and then all of a sudden we went on a little bit of a run. Um, I think what just happened was, I suppose people were just trying to understand with the type of squad we had, where was Chris Forrester, why wasn't he playing and people looking from the outside didn't kind of see some of the internal problems that Harry had to deal with. 
Um, Which were fairly plentiful, I think. Yeah, well, some of them haven't even emerged yet. I think most people in the league would know, unfortunately. Um, he was dealt kind of <laughs> a tough hand. In in certain in in certain situations, which stuff which I'm sure will come out over the next uh, few weeks, months, whatever time that will be. Um, obviously, Chris came back. Chris had a few kind of personal things going on in in his family life as well, and we we're trying to get him fit. He came back nowhere near fit enough from Aberdeen. Um, so we were trying to find a way of kind of fitting people in. Um, you know, Mikey got two red cards, missed eight games uh, from a centre forwards point of view. So. I think it was just unfortunate, and then probably the worst ground in the world to print a bad performance <laughs> with an away section because uh, poor LH had to walk up, and we all got it. Um, it was a poor, really poor performance against UCD in the cup, a game which I would have expected us to fully win, regarding the, the, the you know the scoreline the week before. Were you disappointing the fans? No, I suppose not. No, I think some of the stuff that H got was very unfair, and um, I've seen some of the fans this week actually going around and. The kind of social media is a terrible thing in football Septic. nowadays. It's very keyboard warrior stuff. Um, the same fellas then would ask you for a picture on on a Friday night. Um, I certainly don't take it personal. I think H, I think it was just so so harsh on him. Like some of the stuff that was said that night, and um, we spoke in the dressing room afterwards, and he obviously was well aware of of the reaction from the fans and. He said he'd uh, he'd sleep on it. We came in Saturday morning. I thought everything was going to be okay. To be honest with you, I thought right, we've two two games: Finn Harps and UCD in the next two. Possible to get six points from them. You know things changed then again. But um, you know I think he had discussions with with the owner and stuff like that. And I think they probably both felt it was best to depart ways. And he's I, only been in the job less than a year, though. He's appointed by Kelleher into the job. Uh, you're on course potentially to finish third in the league, which is roughly where you should be finishing third or fourth I don't get it yeah I've heard mix some people have said that some people have said it was time for him to go I suppose again so circus comes around these things with social media um, and it's it's sometimes it's very difficult to to kind of control them and I think some of the personal stuff that that H got was probably really really unfair on him and I think he felt it personally um, what's personal just like his uh, name or yeah some of the stuff that was being said and from the fans and you know I wouldn't associate I'm at the club a long long time I wouldn't associate some some of the fans and some of the stuff that's being said and I think as I said to you it just becomes a wave yeah, of emotion and you know it's the old uh, Eamon Dunphy stuff and we're only having a conversation about this with someone last week you know Eamon Dunphy was able to kind of get into the mindset of a hell of a lot of Irish fans with Glenn Whelan just because he was able to say stuff on the TV you know what I mean like it's and then you talk to people who would say Glenn Whelan shit and you're like you're only saying that because Eamon Dunphy said that mm. like you know what I mean what, what, what makes you think Glenn Whelan shit like mm. you know what I mean they'd have no backup to it and I think a lot of Pats fans jumped on that bandwagon unfortunately but in saying that the owner has made a decision Um you know, listen, Harry was fantastic. And I'm not just saying that. He really was. He brought in a fantastic level of professionalism. He demanded a lot. And I think over the coming months and maybe even over the course of the year, you'll you'll probably hear some of the stuff that, that will come out, um, some of the stuff that you had to deal with internally. But, um, you know, overall, it'd probably be a what-if situation. What if he was given that time? Could he have got a European place? I think the group was good enough to go and do that. But, 
you know, decisions made and then to clean slate and we look forward to a new regime now. Yeah, because I, I think, you know, you mentioned the social media and, and I suppose the backlash and I think it's fair to say that a certain amount of the backlash from Pat's fans I'm aware of and you see what they're saying, it wouldn't have just been aimed at Harry, it would have been aimed at backroom staff as well, mm. it probably would have been aimed at, at you, it mm. would have been aimed at other people involved and the argument would have been maybe he should have brought in some of his own staff, it's, you know, it's been aimed in your direction because you've been there throughout. Mm. I mean, you're obviously, if you're aware of social media, you're probably aware of that. Mm. So, how would you respond to, to well, that? Well, I, I seen some of the stuff that Harry wasn't allowed bringing his own backroom staff, which is, you know, bullshit. Um, Harry tried to bring in um, two. One was a, a, League of, a League of Ireland manager last year working with another club. Um, he wasn't working and Harry spoke to him. He wanted too much money and it wasn't sanctioned for, for his role. He wanted expenses. He wanted a big wage. And I think as a club, the owner felt no that wasn't going to be the case. Like, um, I don't know how much or whatever he's looking for. He also spoke to somebody else who was looking for a certain amount of money. There was certainly no no uh, conversations had from anybody in the club to tell Harry that he couldn't bring in his own person. I've seen them. I, I couldn't have a chuckle at them. Sometimes you want to go on and, and write back to these people. but That's the prevailing belief in the league, though, that it was true. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely couldn't be forwarded from the truth. He had spoken. Um, I think somebody not being sanctioned because he's overpriced or they're not willing to pay the wages doesn't mean that he's not allowed bringing his own person. Like, he decided that he wanted to bring Sean up from the underage, Sean O'Connor. Um, but yeah, you see the stuff. And unfortunately, you know, everyone's entitled to an opinion. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to listen to it. And I think some people's opinion, you see and you listen, you say, okay, maybe that's a good point. And some people that you respect in the game. And then other people that you'd say, you just kind of have a little chuckle at it and you go, right, okay. Mm. That, that's but something you were aware of, though. You were yeah, aware of, that, course, that, that, of course. that exists. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what I'm saying. Unfortunately, social media nowadays has a massive part to play in how things go and th- that's just the way it is. You just got to accept it. If you're, if you're in this industry, you got to accept the good with the bad and um, I think that's it now. Like, you know, mm. you, just, you just kind of get on with it. I, I don't pay too much attention to it. I think, like, certainly family members and stuff like that if they're reading comments and stuff can probably affect them more um, but not not from my end I, I couldn't give a rat's arse to be honest so with you so what's your role now? my role is, is what I've been employed to do probably from day one when I finished as director of football um, Liam obviously brought me in to help him with the first team which was great it gave me a great experience being on the training pitch but I suppose being in a full time position in the club I was able to do that um, that continued on with Harry he asked me to stay on with him which was great and I think now I said it to, to Gareth last week and, and obviously speaking to Stephen, I would prefer to t- take the step away. Um, I think all the staff will, will stay till the end of the season. I was I said it to Gareth after Harry left, I think it was important that I stepped away um, and mm. give a new manager, whoever it was going to be, a, f- a good chance to kind of go at it without anybody sitting there or he has to bring, feel comfortable bringing in his own people. Um, and there's so much going on in the underage where if you're shuffling things constantly you're you know you're out in the evenings you're back in in the mornings you're during the day your meetings and everything's getting so big now in the underage um, yeah there's so many things there's so many stuff you know you're talking agents at 15 16 years of age clubs coming over to meet you and all that type of stuff and trying to juggle so many balls was difficult so at least i can focus full attention on that and you know i'm finally now working in the job that i was actually employed to do which yeah. is great like yeah yeah, because I think like yeah, the assumption would be that you would have fancied the the, the crack of the job yourself. Yeah, some people have asked me that. Like I'm on the pro license. Um, I suppose I don't, I don't think every manager or every coach sets out to be a manager. Um, I I enjoyed the coaching part of it, and 
Um, I'm on the pro license. I don't finish until July 2020. There's plenty of time. I'm 35. Mm. Um, you know, pl- plenty of time to, to go into to management if I want to go into management. Um, I've so much going on with the underage stuff. Listen, it would have been nice maybe to to kind of if Gareth hadn't have rushed in to things or if Gareth hadn't have gone down the route of going quickly with, with things to, to a point to, to maybe take over for a few weeks but I'd done that last year with Liam he asked me to do it it doesn't mean anything really like you know you have to kind of want the time you have to have the time the effort I think your personal life also is a big thing in, in management you have to kind of give it the full you know it's a big big job to mm. be the face of the club and um, but no there's plenty of time would I like to be one day again Probably, but I'm not jumping up and down with my hands at the moment saying, give me the job, like. Just going back to you, Collie, what's Stephen, O'Brien, what's Stephen mm-hmm. O'Donnell going to bring? And then I'll ask the same question to Ger. I suppose the, the first time I was on this podcast was with Stevie. And the one thing that always stands out with him is, is the mindset. It's it's a pure winner's mindset. Um, his attitude, application. Um, he'll set, you know, good standards, so... I think I, I think it's a good one to to, to throw in there and uh, and see. What about age? I mean, we we spoke about a small earlier on. Matter. Yeah, well, of course, but that's the thing. But there is that thing. I was thirty three. I mean, you were your first managerial job. What age were you? I probably was with Keely at Dublin City in two thousand and five. So would have put me at what twenty nine. Yeah, and and the trend is now like younger managers. There's there's probably not the stigma there that was there mm. before. I mean, it's probably what, a stigma about older managers more uh, so like possibly so and we've had Paul Little in here talking yeah. talking about that Some subject people think I'm 86 yeah yeah. but like so you you're, wouldn't be concerned about someone's so called sort of experience no I think uh, when you're looking at a manager it's probably the same as a player if they're good enough they're old enough I don't think age should be should come into it at all and that's even if they're 70 years of age it's how well do you think they're going to do the job and that that's all that should be really judged on. But Jerry, he doesn't have any experience. No, but I think if Gareth Kelleher has given him the job, it's on the basis that he's done his homework. He's not a silly man, Gareth. Um, he would have kind of, I'd say, reached out to people that know Stevie, that have worked with him, probably as coaches, other players and stuff like that. And if he feels that he has the confidence in him, he'll back him. Um, I agree with Collie. I don't think it's... Uh, some people have said to me, oh, it's a big gamble. Is it? You know what I mean? Like... I don't think it is, but I can would see people, you would argue Would people that, have like. said Harry was a big gamble? If we had a hired Paul Doolan, would people have said Paul Doolan's a big gamble? It doesn't mean you're judged on results. And Stevie has a blank slate now. Had a really good conversation for a few hours on Saturday morning. Stevie is what he is, you know what I mean? It's college right. He has a mentality there that he wants to win. Um, and it's a fresh start for those players. Some of them will, will need the fresh start. and Some and, of them will uh, be gone. Yeah, I'd say so, yeah, absolutely. I think we've 10 under contract for next year, maybe 10 or 11, so I suppose it's not... It's quite a, a lot, it's quite lot, actually, though. We know yeah, but a lot of them would be young, yeah, younger players. players. Like we've the likes of Luke McNally and Drotta. He's been, I've heard great things yeah, about him. Yeah, he's, he's having a great season. He's still under contract. He's doing brilliant with him up in there uh, and Kevin in, in Drotta, stuff like that. So, listen, Collie will, will admit this, you're judging on results <laughs> and at senior level, like, you know what I mean, wins, you keep winning, nobody, you know, says anything, you keep losing games, no matter if you're Paul Doolan or, or Stephen O'Donnell, you're going to face criticism, so that's just the way it is, it's exciting, I think, from a Pat's point of view, that we have someone, um, a good team in, Patch Craig, who I would have worked with as well, again, uh, really good uh, fella and knowledge of football, certainly when he played, and... Uh, there is a good cop, bad cop element to it, because Padge is such a nice lad, like, you know. 
he is yeah but Padge is straight as well like you know yeah. so listen it's great and it's it's fresh ideas fresh voices um, fresh set of boys and stuff like that so I'm looking forward to it and I think my role I'll work closely with Stevie now I'll try and bring through we've a lot of talented players coming up to try and get as many young players coming in can you clarify so what are you doing going just director of football yes, I'm going to work as director of football mm. yeah I'm going to oversee things we have a couple of things in the pipeline now as well academy wise which is which is exciting so um yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Do you think there's an element with Stevie like that people are looking at Dundalk naturally. Dundalk have set the standards for the last six years there, mm. and he's been central to that. That is there an element of trying to, to tap into some of that sort of, I don't know, that mindset, that culture, the mentality? Because like Pats have been full-time you know, I, I've probably been critical enough of I think some of the players you could you could ask questions about them. They might be extenuating circumstances in some cases, but trying to bring some of that Dundalk mentality into the club. Yeah, I'd say there's a small element. I wouldn't say that's the soul. Um, it couldn't be the soul. But I'd say yes, because of people would want to know, you know, how well they've done. It's uh, listen from speaking to some of the players and some of the coaching staff that's there. It's certainly a player-centered approach up there. They kind of drive it a lot of them themselves, and um, I, th- I think Steve will probably trying to mimic some of the stuff that he has, you know, been around in the last six years. As you said, success, you know, is not an easy thing to get, and he would know, you know, more than anyone, some of the stuff he's been through personally with injuries and stuff like that. That you know, you got to work hard, and you know. You got to make sure that you put the hours in and the, and the work in the training pitch and off the pitch you have to live your r- life right. Mm. And I suppose he'll try and bring in his own type of characters as well into that dressing room to lead it for him. And why are there enough leaders in that dressing room? Pat's one. Mm. <sighs> Do you know what? I don't think there's enough leaders in football nowadays. You know, I think this. Charlie's nodding his head at this as well. Silver so. spoon generation. You know, no one's f- like it's almost like you're you're not allowed to have a go at anyone. You know anymore, or or people, you know, on my head's gone. I hear this saying so much in bloody football. On my head's gone. He had a go at me, or you know, he's criticised me, and I do be scratching my head, going, "These guys don't understand what's going on." Is that why Roy Keane isn't a successful manager anymore? Probably, and it's probably the reason why I heard. Listen to Paul last week. It's probably the reason why Paul potentially would struggle. You know, working nowadays, like, because I don't think I don't think Paul would change. Colin, would you agree with that? I think a lot of people have that opinion of Paul Doolan that he wouldn't be able to embrace or kind of uh, evolve to the extent that you'd have to deal with the lads that Jer's on about there I'd, I'd probably say something different you, you do evolve as a manager you do try to adapt and get the best out of what you have in front of you and if that's trying to put an, more of an arm around somebody instead of giving out to them and if it ends up I can't see Paul that doing player, that very it? often it depends how strong someone's principles are exactly. I think. like Paul was so okay. successful when I was playing that dropped the team maybe 2006 then was mm, it seven? well 07 was the league winning team but they, oh, six, it was oh, part of a three year cycle yeah. like phenomenal like machines everyone fit strong you'd need two players for every position mm. like you know what I mean if, if Brian Shelley wasn't fit Damien Lynch would play like he had he had it off to team four great centre backs six strikers midfielders everything and he had them every single one of them knew their job and to play against them if you were if you were going to beat them you want to be top of your game so I can see why he has an opinion where He's lost in the game, and we probably have lost him. We had a lot of reaction, though, because he, he's, he, you know, a lot of people said to me, but within the league, he's not helping himself here because he's actively saying, well, I'm not really going to apply for jobs. And I'm kind of like, well, if, you're, if you are 10 years out of the League of Ireland, you probably do have to apply for a job. And, um, you know... But that's what Collie says. I think, you know, if you, 
if you're smart enough, I think you'll probably evolve with it. But mm. I said to you, it mm. depends how strong your principles are. I'm not saying Paul Dillon's not smart. And what I'm saying is I think he is set in his way as this is the way it needs to be done to be successful. And I think, me personally, if he went into a dressing room nowadays, I think he'd struggle with the weakness and mentality of some people some on Instagram. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to single out players at all, but if you're in a team that you, like you have one of those nights, you lose you lose 10-1 in a game. Like, Can you see in that game that just heads are... Go- like heads are dropping at a particular point in the game, absolutely, and you you can't control it. You know you can't. You know, snowballs. You, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you so probably didn't have leaders there either. What I mean, doesn't uh, at that age group? No, there's not many leaders. There really isn't. But they're evolving um, into leaders, aren't they? Like they're, they're, they're getting there. Like it's so, some of those players that I, I, even with what has gone, like there's still some talented players there. There oh really yeah. is, and like the future will be bright for UCD. And even if they don't stay up this year, um, and they go back down, they'd still be my favourites to win the first division next year. There's a there's a great core there, and um, if they develop in the way that I I think they will, they'll be re- really really good players in, in in the future. How difficult was it to lose? So say someone like Gary O'Neill, for example, who was like you know a focal point of your team along with others but you know he was very much central to what you do that when you you lose that what what did you lose I guess I suppose you you, you, you lose the main heartbeat of your team really he was the, he was the common influence that, that glued an awful lot of things together so when you do lose someone like that and you don't have a ready made replacement it is a big big loss mm. but again I was fortunate to have Gary playing for me so he made my job an awful lot easier and it's great to see him going on to Rovers and, and, and doing so well and I think he was a, a big influence on that Bowes game the other night that common influence that he did have I think a very good game that R- Rovers had probably missed in the previous Bowes games just, well, just would you have uh, sorry, sorry, sorry no, no. John, would, would you uh, mention Paul Dillon would you have a reluctance to apply for jobs or are you open to applying for jobs now you know I, it was one of the, I was actually talking you about you and Dool all together oh, I was, I was <laughs> myself and Stephen Hennison were talking about uh, um, two weeks ago and um Keely had always said to me, um, never fucking apply for a job. <laughs> mm. Never. If they want you, they'll come and ask you. And that's how you, you'll know that you're wanted. If you need to go and beg someone and do tap it up, well then, you're not really wanted. Mm. So I, I think that's the, the mindset of where Doolin is, is, is coming from. I think if, if, if a club really wants you, they will actually make the phone call and say, "Are you interested?" So yeah, so like there might be jobs available this winter. What mindset do you approach it with? Like, you know, is that is that is that maybe I'm not old school? You're not old school. I'm not old school. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> the CV's ready to go, is it? <laughs> CV's ready to go. Yeah. I, I think with Paul Doolan, though, I think he's just like like he's obviously laden with self confidence, which is fine as a manager. Yeah. Brian Clough was laden with self confidence. He looks at his CV, he compares it to guys that are getting jobs, and he's like, "Why in the name of God would I be applying for a job that I consider to be probably even beneath what I'm capable of?" Now, it's a tough balancing act. It's like, well, you're but you're years out of the League of Ireland kind of. Um, I don't know, discourse or whatever. Um, one, one other thing that I did mean to ask you, Scales has obviously been linked with big moves away and you look, you look. At, I was at that game against Bowes and I'm like, how damaging is it to a player like that? That's, you know, if, if Scout is at a game like that and they see Scales, they've leaked 10 goals. Um, you know, and, and it's kind of extenuating circumstance, but you're like, how, how damaging could that be? Well, um, it, it's, it's tough on him because if, if you go and you take Scales over and you put John Terry in his prime and that, with so many 17, 18 year olds around them, mm. it's a tough ask to put all of that on, mm. one, on, on one player. So, um, 
it's you, you, you can't say that reflects I think too badly on them. They're coming to watch him specifically. I think you can't. No, they're not. They're not going to judge that. Look, I went to watch the kid a couple of years ago. Well, sorry, I went to watch the game a couple of years ago in here underage, and he was playing centre back, and he lost five or six one. I thought he was the best player on the pitch. He mm. played centre back mm-hmm. in the opposition. We ended up signing him. So, and he's, he's going to do all right now. So, I think if you're going to watch a kid, listen, he's a good player, scales. You know what I mean, and. He, I think he has a good chance. Without he has a good chance. Yeah, you look at someone like Lee Grace and a Wexford youth team that conceded a lot of goals, and he still, yeah. he still, he rose, he rose, he rose above it. Lee, rose Lee, Gra- it. Lee Grace features as a where are they now ex Go United players in the program on Friday? Where mm-hmm. are they now? Well, playing for Shamrock Rovers actually against us, but yeah. he was sold in the middle of the season like your lads for twenty five grand. And it's that sliding doors moment maybe of Shane Keegan's managerial career where I think all United could really have kicked on that serious players lost everyone basically. Sk- uh, he left, uh, Grace left, they got relegated and now we're languishing at the bottom division one. Um, before, but you are you are available for work. Absolutely. Yeah, you, have a, you have a tough time in Microsoft though? Long no, hours? No, it's been said to me before about, um, especially when full-time football and positions come up. Um, I you suppose leave Microsoft? It's not that I have to leave Microsoft. I have a like I'm unfortunate, I've I've a really good manager that gives me flexibility. So because I tie in with American timeline, I, I've got a vision of Homer Simpson when he took on the two jobs <laughs> and the door was banging at his head and he's like he couldn't wake up anymore. So you're like yeah, football manager at day and Microsoft at night. Like no, I'm very flexible, so yeah. I could easily do training in the morning and walk in the evenings. That I think he does emerge Microsoft with his better. he does emerge with his reputation more as intact because people know that this wasn't really football decision to my mind. Yeah, he, he's sitting in the studio with yeah. us, but like I think that's probably a fair it's a fair a fair assessment of it um, and but like, I, I, I will add one thing like it's you can't say it's it's not fully my fault either did I make mistakes absolutely I made mistakes absolutely so it, it's not fully on the club I, I did make some stuff Sounds I like made some div- wrong decisions along the way. So. Sounds yeah. like you're in divorce proceedings here you know <laughs> kind of defend the wife um, but yeah so we'll hopefully see you back hope so yeah Um We've other stuff to talk about. Well, we've games this weekend, mm. I guess. Shamrock Rovers, Galway United. Well, we we have some games this weekend. I mean, we don't. <sighs> it's FAI Cup quarter final week, so we've. Got I want to boy Jaron this actually a man who, a man who remembers the old days as well. Uh, moving Dundalk and Watford to a Monday night uh, Cup quarter final, I think, is an absolute joke. This should be a huge game for Watford. Chance to get into the Aviva Stadium. Chance to get into Europe, and because of um, this Mickey Mouse tournament in Scotland, it's moved to a Monday night Cup quarter final final on a Monday night I, I I don't know where do you start on this <laughs> I don't know I, I don't know um, surely this when when the teams are entering do you understand when it's on going to be on and do you know that they're still in the cup that's going to be quarter final weekend I suppose I, d- I didn't think it ever happened being honest with you mm. but it has and when I, what else do you do I suppose from the FEO's point of view they probably should step away from it you know what I mean? Stephen Bradley though. Yeah, Stephen Bradley. Stephen Bradley and Vinnie Perth have been criticised because they're obviously quite manicured in terms of what's available to them. But they actually just defended the FEI Cup and that like this this should be given a lot more um, kind of precedence. And and they were knocked for that. I don't get that at all. Uh, yeah, well, uh, people aren't going to appreciate uh, 
managers have an opinion on fixtures when their fixtures have been rescheduled, like particularly, mm-hmm. and that's just yeah. that, that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, I think we're probably all in broad agreement on the concept of of cup quarterfinals being moved to accommodate the the, the chocolate cup. I mean, like that's that's Great name. that's. Uh, I think I think there's broad agreement that that shouldn't happen, and maybe it won't happen next year. Um, but there is also prize money available for Waterford and Bowes to participate in this competition. There's a travel grant as well. Um, it's now if they if they basically send out a 19s team or a version of and they get knocked out, you do wonder what's the point. But they're also in it for a reason too. Um, like the whole sort of scheduling of the cup in the second half of the season. Um, you know, there's there's a rhythm to it, but it also means that a lot of clubs have blank weekends as well. And you know, maybe if certain different teams have got through, it mightn't have been as pronounced. But it's just a bit strange now that we've got we've got Galway Rovers on Friday, Stigo UCD, Stigo Rovers UCD on Saturday, which wouldn't have been on if if actually Conor Cairns had been in the squad. I think in the twenty one squad along with Scales, and then you've got Waterford and Dock on Monday. Waterford are being screwed a bit anyway because El Bazzetti's on twenty ones duty, so they're they're missing him as well. And they could have done with a second one being called up, you know, to, to get that off. And then what Crumlin and Bowes is, is the week after. Didn't next. they miss El Buzetti so. in Cork as well because he was with the. He was training. Yeah. yeah. And again, I, I find that, for, seriously, this is a team that is, is could potentially go down, Watford. That into, win probably. Going into that game, like yeah. they were in a little bit I've, of work. I've said this a couple of times I've been on. We're not, like, as a league. I think it's going to happen more and more now because we've got a lot of young, very, very good players. And we I think we now have a manager in the 21s. Uh, who was going to promote winning the league? Hundred percent, yeah. So, when when these fixtures are going to be put together at, at Christmas or wherever it is, we we're not even. I don't think we even take into consideration the international window. No, nope. uh, you know what I mean. So I think it's going to ha- it's happening more and more, and I think it's gone. And as you said, an injury, a suspension, or wherever it is, and all of a sudden, I think there's going to be more and more games called off. So we've actually placed the quarterfinal cup weekend the same weekend that we could have been calling off games anyway if all those yeah. players were available. So, for, so yeah. forget the other competition. It's Our organisation need to look at the under-21s because, you know, what's to say that we might have 10, 12 players from, from the under-20s yeah. in, in the league yeah. next And time? even 19s if, if, if sort of certain qualifiers come at certain times of the year. Um, it is a problem. I mean, as I said, we can't have another fixtures debate because I think, again, most people agree that the fixtures in the league are... Uh, screwed up in terms of how to organise it's pretty obvious the season has to be longer I mean that's the every debate comes back to that you can argue the order of games here there and everywhere maybe cup games could be at different times and could you play a first round of the cup on a bank holiday Monday at some stage if you have league games on a Friday you can look at various different it's very simple solutions. Dan the, se- the season can easily be longer the if there's, that, if there's actually prize money in the league and clubs can fund themselves four yeah. weeks is what, is it? yeah. 42 at the moment I think we're looking for four yeah. weeks but there's, there's, no pri- everyone else. There's, there's no prize money in the league so clubs have to make ends meet there's no prize money there's no TV money people need to get their head around this cannot go on um, but Finn Harps Pats Ollie Horgan Stephen O'Donnell this is going to be a bit well, of a crack yeah, well yeah <laughs> uh, you're sort of removed from the relegation battle now and we were, we were speaking a small bit earlier but how many points say Finn Harps need to get to catch Cork for example I mean is it viable that Harps can, can catch those clubs I mean is it viable that UCD can catch Finn Harps two goal men in the dugout here as well, well. I, I think for, for UCD to catch Harps the, I know from obviously from being within UCD that you would be looking at alright Dundalk not going to happen you know when you play Dundalk Rovers scratch them ones off Mm. But when you're looking at right, we still have Cork to play. I still say we. Mm. Um, it's gone. Still have, yeah, it's gone. It's let it go. Let it let go. Let it go. Yeah, yeah um, it's over. Still have Cork to play. Waterford to play. Sligo to play. They're winnable games, and as well as having to play Harps, mm. so they're the games that you'd be targeting for to, to get points out. Of. 
um, it's going to be a tough ask. It really is, particularly if you only have 70 in points over 30 games and then to all of a sudden get nine points out of your last few games. It's tough, but I think it's doable. Did did Harps? Uh, I maybe surprised the wrong word because you know what like what Harps offer as an opponent, but yeah. they started the season slowly enough, and then they just they just seemed to find something. I mean, what was your feelings at that time when they started to click and, and pick up those I mean, results? I, I, I wasn't surprised because they're just they're so tough to play against. It's just it's um, it's tough physical anywhere around the final tour. It's balls being thrown in the box, free kicks, everything into the box. So. Um, I think it goes back to how the mentality of the players and leaders has changed. Um, I think an awful lot of players don't like defending now, naturally. They really, really don't. Mm. It's all about in possession of the ball. It's not about when you don't have possession of the ball. And I think defenders get used to just marking one centre forward. Now all of a sudden if there's two up there, it's what do I do? I've never experienced <laughs> this before in my life. And uh, it, it's tough. So it, it's no surprise that he went and, and, and put a run of games together. Their their harps are home to Pats and away to Sligo before uh, they play Cork. It's not totally inconceivable that Cork could get drawn into this year, which is quite staggering. I remember the first game of the season they played you guys, mm. who were hot favourites, and um, their level of unravelling. They're almost at a situation now where they'll have one point per game this season. Twenty nine games. It's relegation form basically in in a, in a, in, a, in many leagues. Yeah, I don't think anyone would have foreseen this at the start of the season. I know. At the beginning, John would have brought in a different type of player, maybe, than what he was used to. And then um, I think they've given us tough games um, all year. I think we drew one, we scored late in all the others. Um, there's just just something missing there at the moment. I think Neil has come in, and I haven't seen either of the games, um, but by all accounts, performances have been quite good up until the last 15 minutes or so. Um just on Neil Fame, were you disappointed with how he left in the circumstances with Long? You, 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 you no, I, I wouldn't have an opinion on it because Longford are in, are in the cusp of the playoffs. He's been there for two seasons. He's been well looked after, and then he jumps ship when they're basically in the home stretch. It doesn't. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Like I think Longford fans would have an opinion on it. Like well, if you were a Longford fan, would I? But I'm not. So <laughs> you're you're dodging a bullet there, Collie. No, no, I'm not. I just think each circumstance is different. Like you know, was it his chance to go? Would he have missed that opportunity? I think. We all do it to, to, to manage at a level where we can earn a living from, and I don't know if that, that was his only job or whatever, or, mm. or Cork now is his only job, but Fenny's a good lad. He has a good idea where the game wants to be played. Whether he can do that overnight, I don't know, but I think between now and the end of the season, I think Neil needs to just get a couple of wins, just get away from that, and then refocus next year. There's no loyalty in football anymore. Absolutely no, no, it doesn't, doesn't appear to be. Um, but how interesting would it be if, if Finn Haps do get out of it and it's Cork in the playoff and he get along for that? How good uh, would that be? Holly, you're, you're, there's a lot of ifs there now. Oh, how good would that be? It would uh, be spectacular. <laughs> I mean, it would be brilliant. brilliant. I'm sorry, but the like, story. you know, it, it, like, I want stories. Like, ultimately, you want stories and yeah. you need to build up games. And I, I, I can't see it happening really at all. But at the same time, if it, did, if it did fall that way, uh, you just know, you just know what would happen, don't you? <laughs> you know? Here's here's another one for you. Um, right, so Drogheda effectively should win the first division if they win their last two games. Except Shelburne could go into their last game against Limerick highly reliant on winning by ten or twelve goals, and that's how screwed up the first division is at the moment. Uh, Drogheda could win the could win the league if they win their last two games, and I find that the job they've done, Kevin Tim, is absolutely amazing. I think. Mm. 
Yeah, uh, uh, to be honest with you, we play. Um, I think we play UCD the same night that's on. I might go up and watch Luke McAnally that night. Um, the boy Tim has been raving about him. Yeah, and I'd speak to Kev quite regular as well. Um, I think they've kind of just went under the radar, I suppose. Mm. They've just kept quiet and just kept winning games. And Going to be a bumper, bumper crowd. They've scored the 17 game. more goals than Shells. That, to me, is is a, is, a, is an amazing stat, really. That's I know, that, I know they, 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 they've hammered Wexford. They've had one or two sort of big wins, but... Mm. Um, you know, like we think of shells and some of the attacking players and experienced attacking players they have. You know, I, I'd say Drada must have Collie must have some like they're the underdogs. They're a low budget team. They're pretty much young. They probably have a profile you could identify with, and not just the fact you're from Drada, but also just like as the underdog in a first division against. Let's be honest, more money teams. You know, yeah, I'd say Drada are happy staying under the radar at this moment in time. Mm because all the pressure is on shells, obviously with the investment that has come in and the players that they have, have signed. I think Tim and Kev, who have done an absolutely fantastic job, would be happy to stay under that radar mm. and say nothing about them, so they're not going to be happy with you. Um, I don't know about that, actually. <laughs> they, they were, they were, I, gave, I gave them a bit of a plug on Twitter last weekend, and uh, I think they were happy enough to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they probably wanted to keep that happiness <laughs> under the radar, John. To be clear, so um, it's probably correct. They're, they're very enjoyable. Um, I think there are some great characters managing teams in the league. A lot of them very young as well. Um, you used to be one of them, but uh, it used to be. Yeah, it used to be young as well. Uh, Shamrock Rovers coming to Galway United on Friday night, Dan. Well, you tell me, John. Could the boy Jack Byrne be playing? I, I don't know. I've, I haven't asked that question. I mean, like the, the I think the senior team will have a day or two off after after Thursday, so. I don't know. I mean, would Rovers be perceived as overconfident if they if they went down without him? I'm I'm sure like Jack would probably want to do whatever it takes to get on the pitch against Bulgaria on Tuesday. So I mean, maybe it's a risk to. I think to Jack would be Jack would be probably like ah no, I prefer to first play a game of football on Friday. He put up um, an Instagram yesterday. He's lucky it wasn't the other way around because um, James McLean hasn't been a bit of a headlock uh, from the back. So um, he seems to be enjoying his time in the Ireland squad. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Like he's. Yeah. I mean, I was out watching training yesterday. Like Jack certainly wouldn't lack for confidence. Like everyone. <laughs> Everyone knows that, so he's not afraid to get involved in discussions and, and chats and so on. So he knows a lot of lads in there, so we'll see. Um, I, I think Rovers should be capable of, of dealing with Galway either way, with all due respect to, to your lads. But um, you know, there's a certain amount of pressure on, on Rovers. Like There's a replay option available this time, John. You'll be delighted with that. So, uh, you know, would you, would you take it? Well, you, on one level, back in the day when there, you know there'd be a big uh, gate, and I think you get forty percent of the gate if you're the away team. Um, you know, oh yeah, but like Tala's so depressing to go to as a Galway United fan, and this season they get absolutely hockeyed in Tala. I wouldn't take a replay, be honest, because as much as a draw is very unlikely, um, we've no chance in Tala. We've a glimmer of a chance if if a million things go right, Terryland Park. One of them would have to be Jack Byrne isn't playing in my view, Ger. Yeah, um, I would agree with Dan. Though, unfortunately, I think that. They're kind of having too much for you. It's like, you know, if, if Jack Bourne doesn't play, they'd probably just bring Dylan Motts or Greg Bulger. Or <laughs> Who are they? like? Someone else, yeah, that's <laughs> probably struggling to make Lost a name. Lost to Drogheda last year. We need... Le- le- play Graham Burke as the town off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lee Grace got sent <laughs> off in Drogheda last year. Uh, so I think all we need a few early send-ins off or something like that. Um, the other cup fixture this weekend... Sligo Rovers used to Sligo, you see... I mean, two... Like, Sligo will see themselves as... They have a big chance of getting to, um, at the very least, obviously a semi-final, Collie. Yeah, well, it all depends on the, we used to call it the UCD mindset when certain teams would turn up to the ball and 
not be fully tuned in, think it's going to be easy. And if you if if Sligo have that kind of mindset, I think UCD have enough quality. They give some quality, but like Jay McClelland has been really good over the last couple of weeks. So players like that can hurt you. And mm. if if Sligo aren't fully at it, I think they could find themselves in trouble. T- time is tight against us, lads. Who wins yeah. the cup for for either of you? You're not Rovers. You're not involved. Rovers for you, Cali. Dundalk. Dundalk. Why Rovers? I just think they've been the best side we've played this year. And I think they're on a good run of form. Um, um, I think it also coincides with signing Gary O'Neill. Not that I'm, I'm biased or anything, but um, I just think eventually something has to go their way. Mm. Uh, um, Ireland, Armenia as well, Dan, Friday night is live in air sports and uh, it'll be interesting from League of Ireland perspective as well to see that game. I have to say, like, I won't be able to watch, but I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, well, I mean, Dara Leahy, you would think, would play and... and so we'll see how fit Albazetti actually is. Um, there's a question mark. I know Stephen obviously likes him, but he's got pretty good attacking options. And then Mandreo is the other one. I think he's probably in a similar boat. I can't see him starting the game. The so. boy Subs was very critical of him in the derby game. Yeah, well, I think the, I think the feeling would have been that he probably, did, you know, if he if, if he's not maybe working hard enough in the game, I think Danny Grant was coming in to cover inside from a bit, and there was a bit of space being left, and like that player in that central role, like uh, actually, you think the first game in Tala, like Bowes really pressed Rovers and made life really hard for them, and and maybe he, he wasn't effective really in that regard the other night. He he can be hot and cold, Mandrea, but he's a young player. It's his first season, really as a senior pro, like in the, in a playing game sense, so. He's probably got a bit of maturing to do, and maybe, I mean, subs. To be fair, like he, he, he knows very much what's going on with Bowes. If he's saying that, he's probably picking up something from somewhere that maybe they feel that he needs to get that. Mm. You know, they need to get that bit of a jab into him because there's no doubt that the ability's there, but like it's not just ability that to get you to where you want to go. You'll obviously be in Finn Park, will you? Uh, no, I'll probably go to the 21s game. Okay, so you've, uh, yeah, your, your role is such that you can kind of... Yeah, yeah. now I can start getting to see other things as well and watch other players as well. Um, I'd expect, I think Liam has a, a great love affair with the Cup as well, Liam Buckley. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes um, against UCD. But yeah, I'm actually looking forward to the 21s game. I think you know there's a little bit of excitement around it. A lot of players that we're familiar with. Um, a lot of players playing in the league. So, you know... I think it's a big chance to get to get a, another three points on the board. And the mm-hmm. women's team win last night as well. Three and a half thousand at the game. Not mm-hmm. a bad crowd at all. Uh, crowd, a lot of League of Ireland clubs would be very happy to get. Lads, thanks a million for coming in. Thanks for um, Interesting circumstance and all that. Uh, we'll be back for episode 31 next week when we'll know who go United meet yeah, the semi-finals. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have plenty to digest next week, John. I mean, obviously there's a there's more there's a story going around in relation to... It's good to have Max, uh, the League of Ireland in the, in, in the news in, again. In the headlines as well. So it's something that we haven't we haven't gone into in great detail today. Um, there, there has been a statement from the FAI. The indications from that end of things that the developments are expected over the next week firmer developments and I think when those developments happen we're probably in a better position to talk about it so um, we're not we're not dodging that topic it's just something that we're going to come back to I think on a day when we can really delve into it in as much as is possible I think what saddens me is that UEFA have been called in to bail out the FEI to an extent and now they've been informed of um, potential max fixes who's on the phone again Ireland Ah. (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's time for lunch (laughs) thanks lads thanks